0: Back to Half the Battle, I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special UFC 196 McGregor vs. Diaz edition of Half the Battle is the number one lightweight in Georgia, Chaz the Hybrid Walton. Chaz, how's it going, man?
1: Pretty good, man. Can't complain, other than sitting in a little traffic, but I think I'm used to that by now.
0: Well, there's nothing better than sitting in traffic and talking about McGregor, and Joining us across the pond is Scotland's finest, Will Martin. Will, thanks
2: so much for taking the time, man. Anytime, Dan. You know, I'm always here. if you not need me for anything, especially talking fights. Um, and we've got a big fight to talk about.
0: Absolutely, we got a big fight to talk about because Conor McGregor, he's a minus 455 favorite, and he's taking on Nate Diaz, who's a plus 405 underdog. And I mean, on paper, it's such a good fight. Anytime the Diaz brothers or McGregor fights, is guaranteed excitement. But when you put them two inside the octagon together, I mean, it's pandemonium, man. I mean, with McGregor, obviously, he's got that new style of striking that, you know, a lot of people used to consider those techniques, you know, that he throws inside the octagon. A lot of people used to say, oh, you're only going to see that in a Bruce Lee movie. You're only going to see that in a Steven Seagal movie. Now, this guy's going out there, he's throwing lead hook kicks Heel kicks, you know, he throws every shot in the book standing. So for me, I'm just like, this guy's that next gen. And then with Diaz, obviously he's got that triathlete cardio. His boxing is incredible. You start blocking up high, he'll mix it up to the body. His jiu-jitsu is on another level. So stylistically speaking, this is such a great matchup. Chaz, how pumped are you for the main event of UFC
1: 196? Oh, man, I'm super excited. Uh, I love matchups like this where, uh, you know, you got the, the personas, and uh, the personality is going up against the skill as well. So, I mean, I'm super stoked. Yeah, man. And it is.
0: You know, actually, I was going to say it's in your weight class. It's at 170. But normally, both these guys, they would fight at 55. Conor is the 45 champion. But he was trying, he was attempting to get the 55 belt. But Dos Anos had to pull out a week before the fight. Now, Will, I mean, just when you heard that McGregor was going to fight Diaz, what, what was your first uh, initial reaction?
1: Uh, I think my first uh was that they're going to get into a fight before the fight?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, they almost did at the presser. Will, what did you think when you first heard this fight was announced?
2: Uh, holy shit! I just thought uh, <laughs> this it's going to go down. I, see, I know. Uh, see, I've been around corner I've been a lot of his fights before he came into the UFC, and I know the kind of the people that goatees fights and stuff like that, I just knew that uh, shit was going down and then when you realise both the skill sets these guys have, you're just going to have an exciting fight that's going to, for as long as it lasts, however long it may be, it's going to just be balls to the walls, uh, so much fun and somebody's, I think
0: somebody's going to sleep. Yeah, now, Will, you obviously mentioned how you were exposed to Connor before any of us yeah. ever heard of him, man. I mean, what was it like seeing that guy in Cage Warriors and knowing the kind of potential and promise that he possesses?
2: You could you could just see him. I've been going to events for coming on nearly 10 years over here, and there was just something different. I mean, I've been to Michael Bispin fights. Um, other fighters that have came out here, uh, Britain and the UK and Ireland, and there was just something different about him. You just knew that his skill set was going to transcend into the UFC. He was going to take people out. And he he was telling everybody back then in Cage Warriors that he's going to win the featherweight title. He did that. He moved up and he faced a, Ivan Bushingahu and himself is a really tough fighter over here in Europe. And then since he's come into the UFC, he's just blitzed through people. But you could just tell he knew that this guy was going to kind of change the game. And he, he kind of has.
0: Yeah, he really has, man. I mean, we we all grew up watching the Diaz brothers. I mean, Nick Diaz, he's put on so many classics. Nate has also put on so many classics. You know they'll fight anyone. I mean, Chaz, firstly, how long have you been watching Nate Diaz fight? Because I feel like, you know, since I started watching the sport, this guy's been a staple.
1: (laughs) Man, I've been watching Nate fight since The Ultimate Fighter. Um, Ever since Ultimate Fighter, I was always a fan of Nate and, uh, his fighting style and just his attitude. I mean, most people wouldn't like that, but it, it's exciting. You know, I'm a fighter, but I'm also a fan. So I like the, the people that talk and, and hype fights and make it exciting, you know, as long as they're not talking about me.
0: <laughs> yeah, now, Chaz, I mean, when you see them talk to each other, I mean, as a fighter, who do you think has the, the mental edge here?
1: Um I'd say McGregor has the the mental edge just because you know I think he's uh slightly more witty and and uh quicker with the responses than uh, Diaz is but but I also feel like he might care a little bit more than Diaz does which I don't know if that'll play out to be a weakness or a strength but it seems that way in the trash talk
0: Well, I actually completely agree with that. He does seem to care a little bit more, but I think that goes a long way because, you know, for example, we all love the Diaz brothers. I mean, you know, they're so fun to watch, but if you have to criticize them, even though I don't like criticizing fighters, you know, there have been times when he hasn't showed up in shape. So I think the, you know, taking it more seriously part, it doesn't just transcend to a press conference. It It goes farther than that. It goes to their actual fights because I've never seen Conor McGregor show up soft or out of shape but for this specific fight I think uh, Diaz is going to be fully hydrated you know he's fighting at 170 pounds word on the street is he was getting ready for a triathlon you know prior to this so he's in good shape he's going to be ready to go now we got to get down to our prediction here man I'm picking McGregor but I want to actually break the fight down itself because this is the first time McGregor's fought a guy that's got a longer reach than him a guy that's taller than him and it's his first time fighting at 170 pounds so Conversely, Will, I mean, do you think the switch to 170 is going to have anything negative about it with Connor? or is this just, you know, like John Kavanaugh said, we've seen him on salads, now we're going to see him on steaks?
2: Yeah, exactly, I think we're just going to see a, like a new kind of version of Connor McGregor, he's going to come out there, he's going to look, he looks physically a lot bigger obviously, but even back in his old days there, um... He faced a guy called Aaron Jansen in Cage Warriors and he was huge. He was absolutely massive and Connor dealt with him fairly easily. Um obviously there's the reach advantage, so he's never been kinda on the end of a reach advantage, a disadvantage, so Nate has that over him. But the way I kinda see this going is that um just that Nate is too stationary. He stays there, he doesn't he moves in the same. Way. He comes forward, corners in and out, and he's moving around. And he's just got all that movement there, the lateral movement. And he's gonna—I think he's gonna light him up. But you can't not uh, think that Nate's gonna come out here and catch him with something with a shot and um, really get this fight going. But I just think that McGregor has too many tools. I don't think we've seen too much of his kick game. He has a, an elite kick game when he wants to use it. I think he disguises his punches really well with the cake, the, the the kicks that he throws. Um, but the whole thing for me is that he's just too stationary, and McGregor is just too kind of versatile with his movements, and he's just going to catch him with something. I like his left uppercut in this fight, like he hit with Marcus Brimage in his UFC debut. I think that could be open for him. He just leaves himself a little bit too open. I like McGregor on this one. I just think the accumulation of strikes, once he catches him a few times, will take Diaz out. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought up the kicks for
0: Diaz because, I mean, obviously we know about McGregor's kicks, but where Diaz, in his last fight against Michael Johnson, not only was he lighting him up with those crisp, straight punches, but he would also disguise the kicks, like you said, and that totally threw Michael Johnson off guard. Now, Chaz, you fought at 155 pounds. You fought at 170. Before we talk about the actual matchup, I mean, how much nicer is it, you know, that diet for 170 pounds compared to lightweight?
1: Oh, man. (laughs) Well, yeah, I walk around, uh, 185 pounds. So, you know, I still have to cut a little bit for, uh, for welterweight, but it's not as much cutting as it is just slight adjustments to my diet. You know, I still get to eat well. I have a, a carb rich diet. So training, I have plenty of energy. I feel great. Um, being at 170, I definitely think it's going to add, add to McGregor's power, his energy levels. And even his explosiveness, just being able to maintain that muscle. Because when we cut weight, we do end up cutting a little muscle each time we cut. So his ability to to maintain that and retain it through his camp, I think is going to translate into the fight pretty well. But then you got Diaz at 55 as well. That's coming up to 170. You know, and he, like you said, he's a triathloner, great cardio. Um, So. I think that he's going to have just as much of a an advantage in the feeling department as uh, McGregor.
0: Yeah, now, Chaz, you mentioned how you walk around at 185. I've heard a couple interviews with McGregor leading up to this fight. He said he's waking up at 168, 169 pounds. Is that some gamesmanship, or do you truly believe he's that close to weight?
1: Um, I I think I believe that because, I mean, this guy trained, like, it's all-day work, just like he says. I mean, literally wakes up, trains all day. I mean, so I believe that. I think that, that he's at that point that point and that level of, uh, of putting in work every day that he's able to maintain that weight without a problem and still eat two breakfasts a day, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because, like we were talking about, he does – you know, McGregor does have the reach disadvantage. He's got the height disadvantage, but in my opinion – that's not. That's going to be an advantage in this fight because he's going to close that distance really fast. And like Will was saying, you know, even though Diaz is very dynamic, I do think he's a tad bit slower than McGregor, and I think that's going to be very no, no evident. Doubt. Yeah, it's going to be super evident here. But you know, let's say uh, McGregor's piecing him up on the feet, and then he throws a kick, and maybe Diaz catches it and gets on top of him. So at this point, do you think? McGregor will be able to get back up, will or do you think that Diaz would find one of those uh, Gracie jiu-jitsu slick submissions?
2: I he could, but I mean, what I like with with uh, Conor is he, he, once he hits the ground, he doesn't stop moving, and he, he tries. He did it with Mendez a little bit. He got taken down there and he got kind of laid on, uh, and Mendez was doing some good work down there. But he never stops moving. I've seen in some of these videos uh, him training with Gunnar Nelson. And he's all about kinda of moving at the bottom and he's got Gunny that's a good thing I suppose he's got Gunnar Nelson there who's a high level black belt himself. But Nate Diaz when it hits the ground he's he's very, very um very good down in there and he can catch you with a, a array of kind of different submissions and um can really hurt you down there. But I just think that Connor will find a way to get back to his feet if that situation arose um But it's it'd be interesting. I would actually like to see it go to the ground just for um, see see how it would go down.
0: Yeah, and you know it's interesting because a lot of people do criticize his performance against Mendez, but I feel like they fail to remember that Mendez is a D1 wrestler. (laughs) He's arguably the best wrestler in the featherweight division, so you know, he wasn't able to pass Connor's guard, and Connor likes to talk about how with his style of jujitsu He's all about that passing the guard, you know. He's got a very neat, nice uh, knee slice pass. His buddy Gunny is very good with that. So on top, I do think McGregor could avoid the triangle, but on bottom, you know, I'm just—I'd be worried about Diaz potentially getting something. But like you said, I do think he can work his way back up to the feet. So Chaz, what do you think happens if this fight hits the ground? Um,
1: I'm here. Sorry. Uh, I think I don't know. It's hard to say because. You know Conor McGregor being at his level. I mean, he has to have. He has to be training hard on the ground. He has to be training getting up, uh, and and he he has to be training with long guys. I mean, so I I don't think that Diaz is going to have anything to offer that he hasn't seen before. Um, I don't see Diaz putting McGregor on his back. Uh, You rarely see Diaz shoot. You'll see him go for judo throws, but with McGregor being the shorter guy and his uh, center of gravity being lower already, I just doubt that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a boxing match, but if it goes to the ground, I don't know. I think McGregor can handle what Diaz has to offer.
0: Yeah, now let's say that it doesn't go to the ground. We had to cover the ground because, you know, it is an MMA fight, 90% of fights do hit the mat, but with Conor McGregor, you know, I'd say above 90% of of his opponents get knocked out. So let's say the fight stays standing. I was mentioning that, you know, the reach advantage for Diaz will actually be a disadvantage because Connor will close that distance. He'll get in there, and they both have incredible hands, but McGregor's a little bit faster. He's got a bigger arsenal with those kicks. I mean, do you think there's any chance that when he eats a couple punches from Diaz that maybe Diaz can stun him? Because from what I've seen, McGregor has an iron jaw, Will.
2: Yeah, very much so. It's, it's something he's always had, um, even when I was watching him over here. He took a few shots like, off a... Ivan Bushinger when he fought for that Cage Warriors title and he's took shots... I mean, he took a few good shots from Dustin Poirier and Dustin Poirier is a, a hitter um, and can knock you out. Um, I just think that um, even if he gets hit a few times, he's just going to kind of tail it off and get in Diaz's face and piss Diaz off and Diaz is going to be open. I just think he's far too open and I don't think we've seen the full arsenal of Conor McGregor yet with his, with his strikes. I've seen... Different varying strikes from um, from him back in the day. We haven't seen so much in the UFC, but I just think he's got too far too much for Nate Diaz. But it'd be interesting to see him if they get a little bit of a slugfest. We're t- you were talking a little bit like uh, earlier on that Nate Diaz was running for like getting ready for the triathlon and stuff, but he's not fight ready. And I just don't think I think I'm sure there's a huge difference. Charles could probably tell me like, doing other things and being fight ready. So. I just think that he's bought, even if he was to go with the body, he could hurt him pretty bad down there as well. But uh, yeah, I like Connor. I just like Connor on this one big time.
0: Yeah, uh, Chaz, you want to talk about that fight ready comment that Will just made?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean he, that, that's a very good point. Uh, there's there's certain things that you need, you know, like your timing and uh, the body conditioning and just the the motions you go through in a fight camp that uh, not only prepare you physically, but Mentally as well, and give you that confidence going in. I mean, those are things that are super important. Um, a triathlon is is a long distance, you know, steady pace kind of thing. A fight is jog, jog, sprint, jog, jog, sprint. So it's it's you know steady pace, steady pace, high pace, high pace. So I don't think you know training for a triathlon is going to prepare you for a fight. Will it help your uh, legs not get tired? And you know just. Just your, you not get fatigued, yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's going to prepare you for the, the fight cardio that you require.
0: Yeah, now Chaz, you know, speaking about McGregor's chin, as we all know, you know, when you have a strong chin like Chuck Liddell in his prime, like Anderson is in his prime, like Conor McGregor right now, they can eat everything but the kitchen sink and just f and just keep coming forward, and it's super intimidating to their opponents, and you know those chins don't get. Seriously cracked until a fighter's at the end of their career when you when you got that iron jaw We're talking about right here So do you think his chin is gonna be you know a big factor in this fight? Or do you think it's gonna be that slick movement and you know hit and not get hit be a ghost in there be evasive or is it Gonna be like hey, man hit me as hard as you can and I'll hit you even harder
1: Um, I definitely see McGregor playing as smart. He's, he's got too much pride in his game go out there and uh just take shots if he gets hit it's because it was a clean punch but he he's not gonna just go out there and and show his chin off i i really don't see him doing that it's it wouldn't be smart because with those little gloves even if you have a good chin it only takes one or two in a row to put you you know wobbling down the street so i i don't think yeah, he'll take that approach very very good point chas walton
0: now uh we got we got to make our final prediction before we get out of here. So I mean, Will Martin, you know, Conor McGregor likes to say it'll be done in one. So I got to know, Will, will it be done in one?
2: I hope so because I put money on it. I put <laughs> quite a large chunk of change on it. So, um see whatever he says usually kind of comes to fruition. Um looking at it now, it was after the whole um press conference in Torrance last week where McGregor says, I'm going to take you out and win it. It was kind of a little bit of an emotional play I went out there, but I've won money off of him in the past. I did it with Aldo, and um, I just think that his accumulation of strikes, he might get him out towards the end of the first round, if not second round. I don't see it going past two rounds, but Conor McGregor, if you are listening to this, knock him out in the first and make me some money, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> it's interesting because one doesn't simply knock out a Diaz brother in the first round, but... One doesn't simply knock out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. What we're seeing with Conor McGregor is, you know, he's that new age fighter. He's really taking things to a a new level. You know, when we first saw John Bones Jones, he's a prodigy with his wrestling, with his submissions, and he's really added that, you know, volume striking style. But with McGregor, the, the level of striking this guy has, the knockout power he possesses, the creativity, his mindset... It's just something we've never seen before. So, Chaz, it's prediction time, man. Is Diaz going to get past the first round?
1: Um, I, I think Diaz will get past the first round, but I, I think uh, McGregor is going to take it in the second. I think the first round will be not necessarily a feel-out and process because uh, I can tell you they're probably not going to do much of that. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, both guys will have their hands up. They're not. They're probably not going to play around too much. Initially, so I think it might get drugged to the second, and uh, I think McGregor will take it with a TKO. I don't think he'll knock him out cold. Diaz has never been knocked out cold, so.
0: Yeah, he may or he may not. I mean, there's always a first for everything. Like we saw with Jose Aldo, who you know I thought was unstoppable. I thought even he, he, I thought McGregor was going to win, but I didn't think he was going to win like that. I mean, that was just absolutely yeah. insane. You know, Aldo's fought every single person in the featherweight division beat every single person in the featherweight division, and then he goes up against Connor and gets laid out stiff in 13 seconds. So yeah. it was absolutely incredible. And I did hear an interview with McGregor where he said that, you know, he does plan to knock him out, but if this fight hits the ground, he's like, I'm going to pass his guard, I'm going to full mount him, and I'm going to land ground and pound on him. Now, for me, I thought that was some gamesmanship because, you know, he was talking about submitting Mendez and this and that, and you know, and then he ends up knocking out everyone. So I do also think it'll be a knockout. I'm with Will in the sense that it'll be a first-rounder, but, you know, Diaz is so tough and durable that if he does get past that first round, I will not be surprised one bit. But, man, I'll tell you what will make me surprised. If Diaz goes out there and becomes the first man in UFC history to not only beat McGregor, but to finish him, I I just don't see it happening, you know? And like I mentioned before, I got so much respect for the Diaz brothers. You know, I got my uh, Don't Be Scared Homie shirt. You know, I've been a fan of theirs forever, man. But when it comes to picking fights, you can't be emotional. And not only that, it seems to me like Nate's happy to be there. And, I mean, I would too, bro. Biggest payday of your life. You get a million dollars just to fight Conor. I feel like he's a—he's yeah. like, dude, I'm i am just happy to be here. You know, win or lose. He's been, he's been saying stuff to TMZ like, I'm either going to kill or be killed. You know, there's a chance I'm going to get murked. That's not the kind of stuff you like to hear from the Diaz brothers. But... I really hope he bounces back from this, man, because I am a big Diaz fan, but McGregor is that new age of fighter. So any uh, closing remarks on the main event,
1: Chaz? Oh, man. Well, I will tell you my money's on Diaz because if I win, I'm going to be rich.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the (laughs) odds are really good, Chaz. If you put $100 down on Nate Diaz and he wins the fight, you win $400. Now, let's say you put money down on Diaz winning inside the distance, you put 100 on that and Diaz finishes McGregor, you'll win $585. But! it's a good day. It, I mean, that would be an incredible payday. I don't think it's going to happen, but you know what? If you hit that bet, Chaz, that will be very, very sharp. Now I will. Any uh, closing <laughs> remarks on the UFC 196 main event between McGregor and Diaz?
2: I mean, every time that Conor gets in there, it's a spectacle anyway, so I'm just hoping that um, we have a good fight a fight that's remembered um and then we move on um Conor moves on and hopefully I the one thing I like about this fight is hopefully this makes a match up with Nick Diaz and Conor McGregor in the future because I think that fight would blow the roof off anything that they did, did before because that that would be a great fight uh, Nick Diaz against Conor McGregor but say in the meantime this is going to be a great main event uh, for UFC 196
0: Oh, my God. I mean, Chaz, when you hear Nick Diaz and Conor McGregor, I mean, what goes through your mind, man? Because to me, I'm like, that's a fan's dream.
1: I'm just trying to figure out why Christmas came so early.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I couldn't say it better myself. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we're not going to look ahead. We're not going to underestimate Diaz. But let's say McGregor does finish him. He wants to fight Robbie Lawler at UFC 200. And I mean, you know, on paper, it sounds ridiculous for the 45 champion to fight the 70 champion. But I mean, has he been wrong yet? You know what I mean,
2: Will? Has he? Nope. Yeah, has not it. Most of the things he said has kind of come to fruition. He made that video years ago where the, he was in the cage, uh, in the ring, sorry. And he says, I'm going to be the future. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And he, he said that from back in his cage warrior days. He told you, I'm going to change this game. And he's he's went in there and everything he said has pretty much came to fruition um but no i say the guy uh, fights well and he talks well and he everything seems to be coming his way
0: yeah and that actually brought me to another topic you know you talked about how he saw everything in advance he said he was going to do it you know he sent that message out to the universe and then it came to fruition i mean Chaz, you're the fighter here i mean do you uh you do some visualization and tell me about the results you've gotten doing that
1: um, yeah, I definitely do uh, visualization. I mean, I usually try to visualize the first, you know, 30 seconds of the fight because that's really all, all the only aspect of the fight you can control. Um, but, you know, past that, I don't really do much visual- visualization. You know, I, I have faith that whatever is supposed to happen is going to happen, you know, whether it's my night or somebody else's, in, you know, comp- training camp you know, always makes me uh, feel like I'm going to win, so, you know, that's that's mostly just the, the mental aspects, you know, as far as visualizing goes for me. Well, let me
0: ask you this, Chaz, when you were on a Dana White's looking for a fight and you knocked this guy out in seven seconds in front of the UFC president, you just mentioned how you visualized the first 30 seconds of the fight, so <laughs> I gotta ask, did that fight go according to plan or what?
1: Absolutely not. I, uh, I I thought that that fight was going to be a grinder, man. I, I really saw that going. The distance, you know, he was a really tough guy, had never been knocked out uh, in his career, so I didn't think that it was going to be that fast. I, I don't think anybody could. You know, I don't even think McGregor thought he was going to get a knockout that fast, so. You know, I, I definitely did not see that coming, but yeah. I'm glad it did.
0: It certainly <laughs> electrified the crowd. Dana White took notice. He wrote down on his uh, notebook that he wants you to be on the Ultimate Fighter. And man, you got a fight coming up next month, so you want a plug where you know the fans can watch it. I know it's going to be on Access TV. What's the date? What's the promotion? Give us the scoop, Chaz.
1: Um, the date is April 8th. The promotion is uh, Legacy Legacy Fighting Championships, and it'll be at Center Stage Atlanta. Um, but you can watch it on Axis TV. I believe the main card starts at 8. So, yeah, tune in because uh, I can tell you it's going to be a war between me and this guy. You know, I always bring it. So,
0: Yeah, anytime Chaz Walden is involved in a fight, it is always fireworks. Chaz, my friend, thank you so much for joining us on Half the Battle, bro. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Best of luck in your training camp, and we can't wait to see you uh, knock or submit someone out.
1: Appreciate it, man. All right, brother. You have a good one, Chaz. You too. Talk to y'all later. Have a good
0: one. All right. See you, man. Cheers. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Chaz the Hybrid Walton. Follow him on Twitter at Hybrid. Actually, it's The Hybrid 89. And uh, now Will and I are going to talk about the rest of the card. So the co-main event of UFC 196, obviously... It's for the title Holly Holm. She's a minus 325 favorite with a comeback on Misha Tate at plus 295. And it's an interesting matchup, Will, because with Holly Holm, she really rose to the occasion when she fought Ronda. I mean, a lot of people, myself included, were counting her out. You know, she wasn't very impressive in her first two UFC appearances against uh, Raquel Pennington and Marion Renault. You know, I was one judge's scorecard away from cashing a plus 450 underdog on Raquel Pennington. That's a—that's uh, how she was fighting back then. But, man, like I mentioned, she really rose to the occasion when she fought Ronda Rousey and put on the performance of a lifetime. So I feel like if this kind of person steps in Saturday night, she should take care of Misha Tate. Not only that, Misha Tate has been dropped more than once via head kicks, might I add. You know, Caitlin Young knocked her out with a head kick. Julie Kedzie dropped her with a head kick. But I got I to gotta tell you what, Will – Misha Tate's been improving rapidly every single time we see her, you know. She keeps proving me wrong. Every time I pick against her, unless she's fighting Ronda Rousey, she goes out there and wins, and the area, I think she can win. You know, a lot of people are saying she has to take her down to the ground and submit her. I completely disagree. I think if she wants to win, she has to keep it standing, but she has to make it dirty. She can't fight technical with Holly Holm. She has to go in there, try to land that big right, and try to knock out Holly Holm, because if there's one weakness that we've seen in Holly Holm. It's been her chin. You know, In the Marion Renault fight, she got wobbled. She did a little bit of the chicken dance with a head kick against Ronda Rousey in that first round. I believe she landed a nice left hook that made her wobble. And in boxing, Holly Holm has been brutally knocked out. So in my opinion, that's Misha's chance to win this fight. She has to go out there and put Holly Holm away. But do I think that's going to happen? I honestly don't, man. I think that Right now, Holly Holm is firing on all cylinders. But this man named Vegas Dave, you know, it's funny. He picked Holly to win the first time. Now, I know a lot of people are saying, uh, you know, certain things about Vegas Dave. But, hey, he went on record before the fact and said that Holly was going to beat Ronda. I didn't say that. And now he's going on record before the fact again saying that Misha is going to beat Holly. Maybe he's on to something. We're going to put it to the test. But I'm going to go with the champion here. Who do you got, Will? I have Misha. I've actually
2: went with Misha in this one. I think this is her time. If she wants to wear the UFC uh, gold at any point in her career, now is the time. She's had her chances with uh, Ronda. I thought in her last uh, fight against Ronda, she looked very, very good. She, she was very improved, obviously, from the first fight. Probably a little bit less emotion was uh, in that fight there. But I've went with, with Misha in this one. I think she, if she can really do well and get inside the reach advantage that Holmes has got and... Try and cut off the cage a little bit, which is not the easiest thing to do against Holly because her movement is really, really good. She's always in and out. Um, she uses those uh, long leg kicks to kind of keep you pushed away. Uh, I think if she can really get inside that reach and beat her up, I think she can really hurt Holly home here. Ever since that loss to Rousey, I think she's progressively got a little bit better in everything. Karmish, very close fight. I edged it just for her. Rin Nakai um, Rin was a bit of a g- kind of gimme fight didn't really learn too much from Misha there but we saw that her our, our boxing is getting better Sarah McMahon that was just a scrappy fight where she she dominated um, the grappler in that one in the later rounds and got the victory and then Jessica Kai, she dropped with a couple of huge huge shots so that's what I think I think I don't think you're too far wrong with your suggestions of a way to win this fight I think if I, like, I would love to see it go to the ground because I think that she might have a definitive advantage in there. We haven't really seen Holly down there, but she did show great takedown defense against Ronda uh, the, the odd occasion that we've seen that. But my pick's going to be Misha Tate. I've already put in my predictions video. I picked it. I got a lot of kind of hate on YouTube, which you usually get anyway. Um, but I'm going to go with Misha Tate in this one. So even though we're
0: picking, you know, the different fighter to win, we both agree if Misha Tate wins this yeah. fight, it will be via knockout. And I got to add something to that, Will, you know? I think that Holly Holm's takedown defense is very underrated. Not only that, but her submission defense too because if you re- if you recall, Ronda Rousey did have her in an armbar and one doesn't yes. simply escape a Ronda Rousey armbar and that's exactly what Holly Holm did and then she took down Ronda Rousey which has never been done yeah. before, you know, at least at the top of my memory. So, if Misha can rise to the occasion here and, you know, dethrone Holly Holm That'll be a serious statement. Maybe that'll make Ronda want to come back, because at this current point, I'm not sure if she wants to come back. You know, we've seen uh, the PR thing where, uh, you know, she said she'll walk out of Mm -hmm. interviews. But, man, I feel for Ronda. You know, she's my homegirl. I've met her before. Very, very cool chick. And I hope she bounces back, man. Now, next up, in the light heavyweight division, we got Jean Valente. He's a plus 170 underdog. And Ilir Latifi is minus 200. Now, I got to tell you what, man. I'm very bad at calling Alir Latifi fights. You know, his last one against Sean O'Connell. I picked O'Connell, and not only did O'Connell lose, he got knocked out with the first punch that was thrown in that fight. So, with Latifi, we know this guy's got some fight-changing knockout power, and if you look at his UFC career, all his wins are in the first round. Most of them are via knockout. He did have that submission over... uh, Cyril the snake back in the yeah. day but you know most of his wins are via first round knockout so if you're trying to hit that first round prop I don't blame you now here's the thing guys Jean Volante you know he's been criticized in the past for his cardio he's been criticized for his chin you know my buddy the clown kid he has this theory about the guys who are you know that he likes to call it the punching bag to the stars and in this case Jean Volante is that to Chris Weidman you know he he has taken those beatings by the former champion Chris Weidman in this fight Volante is way bigger than Latifi I mean Latifi's a five foot eight light heavyweight, you know, and uh as long as Volante can avoid that big power, I do think he can win this fight you know use those kicks, but man, if he gets caught he's going down i got to tell you that right now will yeah
2: yeah um, I agree completely with everything that you said. I mean um I kind when I heard about the matchup I thought this is actually a really good matchup for Latifi, but the kind of more you look into it, Volante, he has got skills there that can maybe that can hurt Latifi. I thought against Lola he started off I thought he had a great first round against Tom Lola and um, used his leg kicks very well and then he just got caught and that can happen. But Tom Lawla is a natural middleweight and if he is taking out um, Gian Valante, then I very much so think that Ila Latifi can this guy, I've seen this guy a couple of times, and he's like the tight. He's maybe my height, and I'm not very big at all, but he is so wide. I've never met anybody so short and so wide in my entire life. And if he hits you, he doesn't even have to hit you full on. If he, he clips you, you are out. I've seen that against Chris Dempsey, um, Hans stringer. I've seen that first hand in Glasgow. This guy hits you; you are going to sleep, plain and simple. And I think. I think we're going to see that in this one. I, I really like Ilir Latifi, and I'll probably end up betting him or adding him to some parlays somewhere. And, um, but I like a first round knockout for Ilir Latifi.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you're 100% correct when you say if Tom Lawler can knock him out, so can Ilir Latifi. But here's my counter the, to that, Will. You know, what if Jean Belante fights smart? Because, you know, he didn't fight smart against Tom Lawler. Yeah. He was winning yeah. the entire yeah. fight with his kicks, but, you know, one little uh, error cost him the entire fight. I feel like this is his opportunity to redeem himself and you know if he keeps his guard up I do think he can get the upset but man you know one mistake will put him out cold that's why I'm not betting on this fight but I do think there's a path to victory for the upset I mean for the underdog and obviously you know the the favorite Ilya Latifi he's got that one-hitter quitter in his hands so we're just going to have to tune in and see what happens here but I do think it's going to be an action-packed fight now next up man In the same division, 205. We got Corey Beaston258 Anderson. He's a minus 290 favorite with the comeback on Filthy Tom Lawler, who we just talked about, at plus 245. And I got to tell you what, man. Money's been coming in on Filthy Tom Lawler. Some very sharp people have told me to bet on Filthy Tom Lawler. You know, James Vick messaged me. Front row Brian messaged me. All these people messaged me. They're like, dude, take that shot on the plus 250. Now, for me... I'm kind of hesitant. I'll tell you why. You know, even though Corey Anderson has been hot and cold in the UFC, what he brings to the table, you know, they put his skills on the back burner for a sec. What I really like about this guy, you know, besides his nickname, right? <laughs> what I really like about this guy is his mentality, his will to win, and his heart. This is a guy that, even though he got knocked out by Jean Volante, he was trying to win that entire fight. Even when he got knocked out, it was like when uh, Juban got knocked out by Tumenov. He was still trying to fight. You know, he gets up, he doesn't know where he is, and he, he still doesn't want to quit. Some guys just don't have any quit in them whatsoever. I do believe Corey Anderson's one of those guys. But when you you know put the styles together, it's super intriguing because on paper... Tom Lawler is a better wrestler than Corey Anderson. You know, Tom Lawler is a D1 wrestler. Corey Anderson's D3. You look at it on paper, you're like, oh, D1 is better than D3. But it, it fights, as you know, Will, go beyond paper. Yeah. And on the feet, Corey Anderson does have a little bit of a volume style. You know, he trains under Mark Henry, the coach responsible for Frankie the Answer, Edgar. And Tom Lawler, he's got that one hitter-quitter, as you saw in his fight against John Volante. So I do believe... Corey Anderson will get the best of him. He's just got to avoid that one big shot. Maybe avoid that slick guillotine that Tom Lawler brings to the table. But I am leaning with the favorite, Corey Anderson. What do you think, Will?
2: I don't think that's a bad bet at all. If you were you were to uh, bet Tom, I think that as this week's kind of went on, I've liked Tom a little bit more as the weeks went on, and uh, I think I just think the grappling of Corey Anderson is just going to be a bit too much now. I know Lola, he's been out a long time. I know he came back against Volante and he had a beautiful win in Chicago last year. I just think that Corey is a really tough dude. and I mean, those shots he was taking against Volante were massive. I mean, I think he busted up his jaw in that one and he, he kept on fighting. I think his teeth were in a mess. I just think overall that his wrestling is going to be he's going to try and maybe start off on the feet and see how he goes with that and see if, he can, see if we can see any improvements, which I'm sure he has done work, working with Mark Henry out there. Um, but I just think the grappling's going to be a bit too much, but I would not. If people want to bet Tom Lawler, I think this is not a bad bet in a card, which is kind of hard to, to find um, maybe profitable dogs out there. Uh, but I might just actually pick Tom Lawler and Master myself, but I my official pick will be Corey Anderson, be a decision.
0: And, Will, I'm really glad you brought up the fact that not only did Corey Anderson get knocked out by Vellante, his teeth got yeah. knocked out. And the reason I'm bringing that up right now is because a couple of months later, he's back inside the octagon fighting yeah. Jan Blankovic. So, like we were talking about, this guy's got that mentality. He's got that hunger. He goes, to night, and he goes to bed every single night thinking about that title, wakes up in the morning thinking about that belt. And, I mean, this guy, he really wants to be there. With Tom Lawler... You know, this is his chance to prove that, uh, you know, we that we shouldn't forget about him. You know what I mean? He's yeah. up at 205. He's in the twilight of his career. This is a huge opportunity for him. So we'll have to see what happens. Now, next up, we got a women's bantamweight matchup between Amanda the Lioness, Leoa Nunez, She's minus 130. The comeback on Valentina Bullet Shevchenko is plus 110. Now, for those that don't know, Valentina Bullet Shevchenko, she defeated Joanna Janjacek three times in a kickboxing fight. One doesn't simply defeat Joanna Janjacek one time in a kickboxing fight, let alone three times. That's that's what this lady brings to the table. She can strike, and she's more of a point striker, but, you know, she does have uh, power for that division. The thing with Nunez is when you talk about relentless. She is relentless. You know, all her wins in the UFC are via first-round finish. Most of the time, their first-round knockout, she did have a first-round submission over McMahon where she knocked her down, and then she submitted her. So when I break this fight down, you know, I see uh, I see two possibilities here. I either see Nunez finishing her in the first round or Nunez, you know, showing off that experience because she is the more experienced UFC fighter here. But Shevchenko could be... That next generation of women's fighter, you know? Like someone was saying earlier, if, uh, you know, if you consider Joanna to be Godzilla, then what do you consider the monster that beat Godzilla? You know (laughs) what I mean? So Shevchenko could be the next generation fighter. The reason I'm not betting on this fight is because I want to sit back and watch. I want to find out firsthand, is Shevchenko really as good as everyone says she is? You know, we saw her UFC debut, which she took on, you know, five to eight days short notice. Still gets a very easy decision win, but now she's had a full training camp, and she's taken on, like I said, one of the most experienced and aggressive fighters in the women's bantamweight division. So, I mean, who's going to get the win here, Will? It,
2: I, was, this is, I have all the matchups on this entire card. This is the one I kind of struggle with the most because I, I was really, I don't know about right you, Dan, but in Orlando back in December, I was really impressed with Valentina Shevchenko. She came in there short notice, I think it was about a week, possibly maybe a bit less than that. And in the fight, she didn't really show her full repertoire of strikes. It was actually a grappling and um, a clinch work, which really won her that fight against Sarah Kaufman. And Sarah Kaufman, I think she knew that Shevchenko was a good striker and she wanted none of it and tried to clinch. But um, Shevchenko kept reversing and um, I think she took her down a few times. But I've watched... I knew about Valentina beforehand. Most of our fights, um, our kickboxing Muay Thai was kind of based out of Peru, but I have seen a couple of the fights against and Injecek. I was reading something this afternoon. Ioana was talking about Shevchenko. She says her striking is another level. I don't think we've seen it. When I broke down my fight for my prediction video, um, the way I see it is if Amanda is going to come out really quick. We've seen that against Katzengano. She bum-rushed her. Um, try to take her out and then kind of gaslight her on and I think she might do that here she is a naturally very aggressive fighter I think if uh, like you said Shevchenko is a point kind of striker if she can keep her with long uh, kicks teeps to to keep her away I think the longer this fight goes the more it goes to Shevchenko's side Uh, my pick will be uh, Valentina Shevchenko I won't be betting it but my pick will be Valentina
0: yeah and for all the betters out there for this fight You know, some think that Nunez is the way to go because of the experience and the aggression. Some think that Shevchenko is the way to go because, you know, she might be that next-gen striker. For me, I want to see these weigh-ins, man. I want to see if someone, you know, Mrs. Wade, if someone's looking out of shape, and then maybe snipe a dog real quick. We got to see. I just got to tune in, man, because for me, I want to find out firsthand if she's the real deal. Because if I were to bet on this fight, I would be guessing that she's yeah. the real deal. Now, sometimes guessing pays off. I mean, you know, you never really know what's going to happen. But here, I just don't know enough to take that shot. So for that reason, I am passing. But next up, man, the main event of the prelims. Brandon Ruck is Thatch. He's minus 310. The comeback on CR, the killer, now known as the great, Baja Derzada, is currently plus 255. And this is a very intriguing matchup. You know, on paper, Brandon Thatch, you know, he's a... Very, very tall striker. He uh, His first two UFC fights, he puts away his opponents very quickly. We're all saying, who's this guy, man? And you know, he gets matched up against Benson. I know a lot of people were very sharp in picking Benson. I wasn't one of them. I thought that Brandon Thatch was going to go out there and prove why he's that next-gen striker. I keep saying next-gen this and that, and I really mean it because the sport is consistently evolving. So I thought... Brandon Thatch was going to be one of those guys. It's funny. He was initially, um, he was, he was originally a favorite over Wonderboy, and then Benson replaced him. You know, we were all thinking he was going to kill Wonderboy. In retrospect, it's absolutely ludicrous to think that. Now, here's my deal with Brandon Thatch. All his wins are in the first round, and uh, he's got an 100% finish rate with his wins. So if he goes to decision. You know, chances are he's going to lose that fight. That's just how it is historically for him. But I think he can get finished here. I'll tell you why. Because what I've seen with Brandon Thatch in that Benson fight, it taught me a lot. I know Benson is the former champ. I know Benson's got that experience. I respect him a lot. But there's certain things I saw in that fight that I didn't like about Thatch. And let me tell you what those things are, Will. Firstly, he boot swept him, put him on the ground. So I was like, yes, great technique thatch, follow up with some punches. What does he do? He helps him back up. He gives him a hug and a high five. He lets him fix his hair. And then he keeps fighting. To me, those are the kind of things you want to bet against when you're looking for a good underdog. You know, last week when I bet uh, Brad Pickett at plus 195, you know, some people were talking shit saying that wasn't a sharp play because Cisco might've won. Hey, I'm not a judge. I'm just the guy that put my money down on Pickett. Now I see a similarity between Cisco and Thatch. And that similarity is that both guys can finish fights in the first round, but both guys, they'll get into a heated exchange and then give you a high five and a hug. Both guys will mentally check out. If you take their back, they won't try to fight the hands. They'll do that quick tap. And, you know, any little sign of adversity, they'll look for the door. So with that being said, with Siar Bahadurzada, this is a guy. He was born in Afghanistan. He had to walk over dead bodies growing up. He's got some nuclear power in his hands. I mean you watch that fight with Politiaga where he face plants him. now everyone's like, oh, his best wins over Politiaga. Okay, who's Brandon Thatch's best win against? Politiaga. So, you know, I, I just don't uh, understand that argument whatsoever. Now here's the thing, you know, I, you guys know I spoke to CR on half the battle. He told me firsthand, I'm not gonna return unless I'm a hundred percent because I don't want to go out there and embarrass myself again. Now, let, let's look at it in retrospect. So his fight against Paulo Tiago, he shredded out of his mind. He lays him out stiff in the first minute of the fight. His next two fights, he's a little softer, man. You can tell he's not the same guy. You know, nowadays, if someone's softer, we think different reasons, but at the time, this is before you saw it, this is before all that stuff, it's because he was injured, man. So he took two years off, now he's coming in 100%. You know, he's training with Greg Jackson. Now a lot of people like to talk about how, oh, if someone's out two years, you know, statistically speaking, they lose their fight. Oh, yeah? Tell that to Davy Grant. Tell that to Dominic Cruz. And tell that to my boy Jason Sago, who's fighting later on, on the card. You know, I, I just don't buy it, man. I don't think this is going to be one of those times. I think that Thatch is going to give Cr the fight he wants, standing, and he's going to face plant. So I am for sure taking the plus 255 underdog CR the great Bahadurzada. not only am I taking him I'm taking the not thatch inside the distance at plus 111 and I might even add something else man I'm pretty damn confident and I'll, everyone disagrees with me on this one what do you think
2: Eh, hey, I don't think you're a silly man but I've seen the bench people, on I've seen the last week with Brad Pickett I picked Brad Pickett last week I just had a hunch it was a close fight um Brandon Thatch is very exciting obviously but when he faces grapplers, he loses. um sorry, not Grappler uh, Seahart. When he faces Grapplers, he loses. Um he's not facing a grappler here and Brandon Thatch is gonna come forward. So your play on Sire I think could end up being a good one. Um I mean I saw Brandon Thatch at UFC one eighty nine. He he got took he got taken out by Gunnar Nilsson, but he got dominated on the feet beforehand, and he got hit with a nice crisp combination that put him down, and once you go to the ground with Gunnar Nilsson, there's not too many guys, maybe apart from Damian Maia, that can really live with Gunny down there. Um, I see My pick is going to be Brandon Thatcher. I think these two are going to get into a firefight, and I think that he's going to catch him with one of his big knees in the clinch, up close, um, but see, Sire, he struggles against grappler's, Brandon Thatch is not a grappler. I think you've got a very good chance of that bet coming in. A lot of people, I've seen a lot of pe- people boohooing say, I'm not one of those people. He has got nuclear power, like you said, uh, as Brandon Thatch has as well. I just prefer to go with Brandon Thatch. I just, I'm just, i not the biggest fan of layoffs, but like you said, this year it seems to be who gives a shit about how long you're off because they're coming back and they're winning they're winning fairly impressively as well. So my pick will be a second round TKO for Brandon Thatch, but Fair play to you for putting on that, because I think it's a, a very ballsy bet, but you seem very confident and good luck with
0: that. Well, let me tell you something, Will. You can't, you can't cash these plus-250 dogs if you don't have yeah. balls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Justin Scoggins, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, yeah. Dustin Poirier, Carlos Diego Ferreira. It doesn't stop there. Michael Bisping. Yeah. So, you know, people were, were telling me I was crazy for those picks. And, yeah. you know, I have lost a couple. You know, Sean O'Connell versus Alir Latifi. That was plus-250. Yeah. I didn't cash that one but yeah. you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So I'm thinking... another, another
2: thing with this, see, is Brandon, this, mo- this matchup got moved from Pittsburgh to Vegas because Brandon Thatch is, I think he's on some medication or something like that. that yes, yes, I'm glad. That schemes I'm... out like something's not kind of right in <laughs> this one, so by all means taking Sire on this one might be a great play because I don't like the sound of that either, but my pick will be Thatch.
0: I'm really glad you brought that up. So not only was he not allowed to fight because of some medication that wasn't approved, by the Pennsylvania Commission, he needed that medication. Yeah, yeah. He, could, he couldn't just be like, oh, I'm going to leave the meds at home and, you know, do my fight and this and that. He needs those yeah. meds, whatever they are. We don't know what it is. But uh, with that being said, man, and all the other mental issues, i got to go with CR the Great Bahadurzada. If Brandon Thatch gets that TKO like you were saying, I mean, yeah. my hat's off to him. I'll give him the props he yeah. deserves. So, you know this. I mean, there is a little bit of pride involved, but i, I got no problem tipping my cap my cap to to a winner, you know what I'm saying? So if he goes out there and finishes CR, props to him, I just don't see that happening. I think what's gonna happen in this one, it's gonna come down to that will, and I think for sure CR has a greater will. So we'll have to tune in. And at plus 255, I'm willing to find out. Now next up, one of my favorite fighters, Eric Silva. He's minus 230. The comeback on Nordine Taleb is plus 190. With Eric Silva, if he's not fighting a top 15 guy, he finishes them in the first round. He's not fighting a top 15 guy here. I think he'll finish them in the first round. Now, that's not the best way to break down fights because in the UFC, there's always a first for everything. You know, people are talking about Wonder Boy how... Uh, Oh, he's not going to be Hendricks. Who has he fought? For me, I was like, dude, he knocked out Robert Whittaker. One doesn't simply knock out Robert Whittaker, right? And uh, everyone was talking a bunch of shit telling me that was a stupid play. That wasn't a stupid play at all. So you can't predict the future and when guys will rise to the occasion. You can just attempt to take that shot. Now, with Nordine Taleb, you know, he does have that tri-star style. He likes to pump that jab. He likes that front kick. He's a little slow and stiff compared to the prototypes like GSP or Rory. You know, guys like that, he, he is, you know, on the back end and, of of uh, those fighters, right? But, you know, he does, he does have a really strong kick. He can, uh, you know, neutralize guys. I just don't think this is going to be one of those cases. You know, people like to talk about, oh, Eric Silva was fat in his last fight. Oh, yeah? You're right. He was fat. But guess what? He still went to a split decision with a top 15 guy in Neil Magny. So now he's in shape training at King's MMA, absolutely shredded. What's he going to do to this non-top-15 guy? I personally think he's going to take him down and submit him. But if he wants to test his stand-up and see if that uh, master half a Muay has been paying off, I think he can knock him out too. So I do have Eric Silva in a one-unit parlay. What do you think, Will?
2: I like Silva a lot on this one. I think most people have probably seen the pictures of um, Eric at King's MMA, and he looks really good. I and mean, when this kid looks, looks good kind of physically, he usually comes into that um, cage and he performs very, very well. I mean, he has faced a lot of guys that probably aren't even in the UFC anymore, but I thought, um, I mean, Josh Kostiak, not there anymore, Mike Rhodes is a good guy, you've spoken to Mike, Mike's one uh, one of the people I really like speaking to on social media, such a good guy, Um, and then there was that fight with Matt Brown where he just showed a lot of heart and determination, now Matt Brown's a a, a fucking beast, he's one of the the top guys in that division, he withstood some shots late into that fight, and... um, Really, he showed his heart in that fight. And the last time out, he he didn't look great. But when this guy is facing people who are possibly not UFC calibre, I mean, I don't think Nordin Taleb's that great of a fight. I mean, Vic Gruich, um, Ling Julian, not top fighters. I think Eric Silva, on his night, has the potential to beat a lot of guys in that welterweight division. And I like him in this one quite handily. I think he's going to find a submission. I think he's going to hurt him on his feet. Personally, then he'll find a submission, maybe a guillotine choke. But my pick will be Eric Silva for
0: sure. Yeah, and I mean, you guys know I'm an Eric Silva fan. A lot of people think he's overrated. I just think he's got to show up and perform, man, because when he shows up and performs, he's one of the most dynamic in that division. Now, next up, in the 185-pound division, we got Vitor Miranda. He's minus 320. The comeback on Marcelo Guimarães is plus 260. I like Vitor Miranda a lot. I'll tell you why, Will. I mean, this is a guy... Who, he's a world champion kickboxer, he's fought at heavyweight, he's fought at light heavyweight, now he's fighting at middleweight, and with Marcelo Guimarães, you know, he uh, he's moving up from welterweight, and Guimarães is one of these guys that, he's gritty, he's tough, I'll give him that for sure. He will find a way to win, I mean, you look at his record, he, he's a winner, but he falls short on a lot of his punches, he throws at air a lot, and that's not going to bode well when you're fighting a guy like Vitor Miranda, who, as I mentioned, is a world champion kickboxer now what I like about Vitor Miranda a lot is that I've seen him get taken down in fights and he's not one of these guys like Brandon Thatch that you know will give you his back and will quick tap and you know won't even try to get up with Vitor Miranda not only will he try to get up but once he gets up the fight doesn't leave him you know the fights not sucked out of him he still tries to win and in his last two fights he had to overcome adversity to knock out both Jay Collier and Clint Hester. In this fight, he might have to overcome some adversity as well, but the bottom line is he's going to knock out Marcelo Guimaraes, and in this specific fight, I do think the two-year layoff is going to affect Guimaraes just because I'm picking Miranda, right? No, but I, I do think Miranda's going to knock him out, and I have him in a parlay. What
2: do you um, think, bud? What am I thinking? I think I think a lot like you in this one, I think that uh, this is a good matchup for Vita Miranda. He's coming off a couple of nice wins. Um, I thought the, the Jake Collier knockout... Firstly, I think the Clint Hester knockout was really good like a big one because Hester's a tough guy, he's been in there with some tough guys. But he had to kinda of overcome adversity against Jake Collier, was kinda of taken down in that fight, um, got back up and then just unloaded a huge I think it was a head kick, followed up with some strikes and um got the victory there. I mean, Gamer he's been out for a while and he's wins are against Andy Enns and Dan Stitkin, I mean Come on, he did show a, kind of, a really granite chin against Young Lim, who has got some nuclear power for that division down there as well. But this is the tailor-made matchup, I think, for Peter Miranda. Um, Kimarais is going to go forward, as you say, he swings at air, and in those openings, I expect Miranda to really hurt uh, Kimarais and stop him fairly early. Maybe get into the second round, but I like him, Miranda, TKO in this one. Yeah, the only
0: thing I'd be concerned about is I just want to make sure, you know, they lo- they both look good at the weigh-ins. Yeah, we both yeah. know lots of things have changed in this sport. We're not throwing out any accusations whatsoever. It's just, you know, you got to be objective. you got to watch the weigh-ins. you yeah. got to make sure they're in the best shape of their life. And if Vitor is in the best shape of his life, I truly believe he's going to knock him out. If Vitor is looking a little soft and Marcelo is looking ripped, Marcelo could grind him. I just yeah. don't see that happening, man. With the heart that Vitor possesses, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't he... uh he has some kind of, uh, like, doesn't his, isn't his son sick or yeah, something
2: yeah. like that? Like, what's he fighting for again? Do you know, Will? I can't, I, mean, I remember watching Tough Brazil and his, his son's got a condition, I remember, um, from the show. But I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But I know his son sick, gets sick quite a lot. And um, so he's got something there that he really wants to kind of better his kid's life, get that money and hopefully get a bonus and change his kid's life. But I think... If I remember right, his kid's got a f- fairly serious condition, so that's another thing why you want to root for this guy because he's only looking out for his family. Like everyone other fighter is, but when you have kids that are ill, I mean, I'll forever support fighters like Chico Vera last oh, week yeah. with his young girl. And that's just that's just human nature to to try and root for these guys even more.
0: Yeah, as a fan, you
2: gotta root for them, and then yeah. as a betting
0: man, you also yeah. root for them because they're super motivated, and yeah. those are the kind of guys that you want to bet on and you want to pick because you know they have that will to win. Now, Cheeto Vera, things didn't go his way. I think he would have lost regardless of the ref doing what the ref did that night, but Cheeto Vera will be back 100%, and he'll be back better than ever. Now, next up, Chaz the Scrapper Skelly, minus 155, the comeback on Darren the Damage Elkins, plus 135, and man, we can both agree, Darren Elkins and Chaz Skelly can grind, right, Will? Very much so, yeah. But the difference is, Chaz can grind, and he can knock out and submit. So, you know, I could just leave my breakdown at that. The fact that Chaz has more ways to win. Not only can he engage in that grind, he can KO you, he can submit you. You know, when when Darren Elkins gets taken down, he often doesn't have an answer off of his back. You saw that in the Hocker on Diaz fight. Now, let me add, Hocker on Diaz is a very strong guy. But with Chaz he's relentless too, and it's just interesting. I just don't picture in my mind... Darren Elkins pinning Chaz Skelly up against the fence, taking him down repeatedly, wearing him out, making him quit like he did to my boy Robert Whiteford. I just don't see that happening at all, man. I think that Chaz is going to fight him tough, and he's going to find that submission later on in the fight. The knockout won't surprise me either, but I do have Chaz the scrapper Skelly, and I parlayed him with Eric Silva at plus 140.
2: That's a good pick. I think that um, two similar guys, but like you said, I think that Skelly has the more... He just—he's dangerous. He's very dangerous, and he's got a heart, um, a huge heart. We saw that against Kevin Souza when he got dropped, come back up, finish the fight. I think that Elkins is going to want to obviously I put this against the cage, try and take him down, and I think he's going to leave his neck out there for Scaly. Because Scaly's long. He's going to for a featherweight. He's got a really long reach. I think that um, I think he's going to catch him in the submission. I really do. I like the fact that Elkins is training at um, Team Alpha Male. I like that he's training out there. He's, he'll have some decent training partners, I'm sure. With Chris Holdsworth being the kind of BJJ guy in Alpha male at the minute, that he's been tuned up in his submissions. But I just think that Chaz Skelly is a winner, and he, he's got. I think he's got. A, I can't remember his record off the top of my head. Fifteen and one, possibly. Yeah. So I mean, this guy's not used to losing. Um, last time Damien Elkins fought in Dublin, I went with my heart over my head in. Um, I went with my hometown, from my home country, Scotland. I went with Robert Whiteford. And when I got in there, I thought to myself, I maybe made a bit of a silly pick um, because I seen some certain things that I didn't like to see on the days of leaving to the fight. But, um, yeah, I think that I, th- I like this for Charles Skelly. Scali- I think a submission or a stoppage over Darren Elkins would be pretty big for this guy's career. Not too many people finished Darren Elkins, the ultimate grinder, pretty much, but I think he can do it in this one. I'm gonna go with Kelly via submission.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up the camps because obviously Darren Elkins he is training out of Team Alpha Male. A lot of people have criticized Team Alpha Male lately, you know, saying they don't have coaches and this and that. But Kelly he actually left Team Takedown. That's another factor you gotta put in here. But huh? he's still working with all the same coaches except Mark Lehman. You know, he's still got Kenny Monday for his wrestling, he's still got his boxing coach, he's still got a lot of the same training partners, so I don't think it's gonna be an issue that he left Team Takedown. And I think he's going to find a way to win. At least I hope he does, right, Will? So, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, the, the, main, the featured bout of the fight pass prelims is Diego Sanchez. He's a plus 120 underdog. And Jim Miller's minus 140. I mean, these two are serious vets. You know, I heard someone saying, Oh, Jim Miller and Diego Sanchez are on the chopping block if they lose this fight. I was like, are you kidding me? You know, Diego Sanchez and Jim Miller aren't the kind of guys you cut. They're the kind of guys you retire. They're the kind of guys you give a job to at the UFC after the fighting days are are long gone. And this is going to be really interesting because Jim Miller is better everywhere, but Diego Sanchez is tougher. And sometimes it comes down to who wants it more. I truly believe Diego Sanchez wants it more. You know, with Jim Miller, he'll be winning a fight, and if uh, you know he faces any kind of adversity, lately, he'll fold up. Back in the day, he was known for his toughness, but those days are long gone, man. And with Diego... I feel like this guy will live and die by the sword no matter what. It's like Shogun. It doesn't matter how old he is. He will always be a fighter. Yeah. So for that reason, at this stage in their careers, I actually got Diego Sanchez for the upset. What do you think, Will?
2: Diego Sanchez for me. You see, like, if you ask me who my favorite fighter is of all time, I'm going to come back and see Diego Sanchez. Um, see, I first watched the sport when I was 10 years old. I was very lucky. I came across the tape that my father had, my father... Uh, actually teaches boxing for um, part of the Scottish national team.
0: Oh, wow. Well, and real, teaches, real, quick. So, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. I'd love to take some lessons from your dad. Now keep going. Yeah,
2: yeah. He's He's got a lot of good fighters, young fighters come up through. Um, and he loves combat sports. He's not big on the martial arts thing, but he, he watched it. And I found this. Then I kind of left the sport a little bit, as I was growing up, as you do. And then I got, kind of got brought back into it a little bit. And then when I saw Ultimate Fire with Diego Sanchez, now he's a complete, he's, he's out there. But I think his heart's in the right place. But his fights are just balls to the walls. I've The amount of times I've watched his fights and just... I could still watch the fight with Clay Guida and still scream at the TV, even though I'm, I've watched it a thousand times and know what's coming. That start to that fight was incredible. Um, this is... I mean, both guys obviously late on in their career, um, descending quite a lot. But this, you just know this is going to be close. This is going to decision. I don't see any finishes happening here. I just... The scrappier guy, I think, is gonna win and that's gonna be Diego Sanchez. He's got the the iron will, the iron heart to just keep coming forward. I mean he got kinda of beat up against um, Ricardo Lamas at 145. He should never really been going down there. I know he, he's kinda of lost a few and some fairly controversial ones. Ross Pearson, he never won that fight. Um but that's the judges that judge's fault for that. I just think it's gonna be very scrappy. I can see Jim try to get the takedown and try and work his Jiu-Jitsu skills. I think that Diego's kind of underrated when he goes down there as well. He's got great, great grappling himself. I think it's got split decision written all over it, but I think I really do believe that Diego Sanchez is going to win this one here. Um, I really hope so, and I'm going to be betting Diego Sanchez. Maybe a little bit of a stupid bet, but I've bet on Diego in the past, and I've got um, I've got a little bit lucky. I must admit, with obviously Ross Pearson. He was the underdog, I believe, in that one. But it has to be. I'm going to pick Diego Sanchez.
0: Yeah, and I don't, I don't think it's a stupid pick at all, man. I'll tell you mm. why, because even if it looks like he's losing the fight, you know there's yeah. going to be that one judge that gives him a yeah. 30-27. It's kind of yeah. like a, like our boy Cajal, you know? Like, he goes 4-0 and to start his UFC career. We're, we're getting these 30-27s against guys that clearly beat us, and we're like, hey, we're going to mm-hmm. catch those underdog tickets, right? So, for me, I don't really care what the judges have to say as long as they favor our guy. Like, kind of like that picket yeah. fight, you know what I mean? Like... Listen, we're, we're not the guys in there fighting. We're the guys that enjoy the fights. We're the guys that tell people to bet on the fights, this and that. You know, we, we just have a passion for the sport. So, you know, whether the judges see it our way or not, I hope they do. But I see a chance for Diego to finish Jim Miller because, look, the last time I thought Jim Miller fought tough was against Benny. And, I mean, we all know how good Benny is. And yeah. he, he fought Benny tough. But I think Mike Chiesa took the last bit of fighting spirit Jim Miller had and took it right out of him, man, because that one punch of ground and pound, that changed Jim Miller's career, you know, he uh, he starts turtling up, then he gives up his back, and, you know, this is a guy that's been known for his jiu-jitsu and his toughness, you know, throughout his entire UFC career, and then he quick taps, and it's like, he didn't even try to fight the hands or anything, I was like, wow, Diego Sanchez would never do that, man, so, uh, yeah, I got Diego here for sure, I do not think it's a dumb pick at all. Now, next up, in the 55-pound division, We got Jason Sago, he's minus 210, the comeback on Justin Salas is plus 175, now, it's interesting because both these guys are coming off two-year layoffs, so I wonder what it's going to do for the stat, it's going to be like a push for the stat, right, yeah, because, uh, you know, one guy's going to prove it wrong, one guy's going to prove it right, I think Jason Sago's going to prove it wrong, because I think he's going to show that the two-year layoff doesn't matter, he's going to go out there and get the victory. Now, what I like about Jason Sago, man, this guy's a relentless grappler, and, uh, He's not half bad on his feet either. You know, he dropped Paul Felder. Obviously, one doesn't simply drop Paul Felder. Edson Barbosa couldn't drop Paul Felder. Jason Sago dropped him with a knee and almost had him in that arm bar, but then the bell rang. He fought him very tough. It was a split decision. Could have gone either way. I personally scored it for Felder, but I can see the argument for Sago, and I was very impressed with that performance. Now, since then, he ruptured his Achilles, which is a very serious injury. You know, you don't just come back from a ruptured Achilles, but I heard an interview with this guy. And it blew my mind, man. He is super intelligent. He's one of the, the smartest guys, I, you know, that's in the UFC that's a fighter. I was like, damn, this dude's fucking smart. If he wasn't a fighter, you know, he could be a, a professor at the university, you know what I mean? And he said, I'm not gonna come back, just like CR, he said, I'm not gonna come back unless I'm hundred percent. Because this is the kind of injury that you don't just come back from. So he did everything the right way, you know, while he was rehabbing, he was also swimming, you know, instead of fighting, he'd supplement it in other ways. Find other ways to be in shape. Now it's been two years. He's let it fully heal. He's going to go out there. I think he's going to finish Justin Salas. You know, with Salas, he's got a nice little veteran game. He likes to run around the ring and then then shoot in with big, looping punches. He's not half bad on the ground either. It's just, you know, he's been knocked out more than once. We like to talk about the chin never recovers. And, you know, he's, he's serviceable everywhere. But Jason Sago, I do think he excels with the ground game. I think he'll be relentless here. And I think he'll submit or knock out. Justin Salas. So I have Jason Sago in a one-unit parlay with Vitor Miranda. What do you think, Will? Oh.
2: Um, my pick for this one will be Justin Salas. So I'm going against you here, Dan. Um,
0: Don't, and never be sorry, man.
2: Yeah, I'm going against you here. I think, um, I mean, Jason Sago, I thought, in his debut, I thought that fight with Felder was very, very close. I thought Felder didn't look great obviously. We've seen the best of what um, Paul Felder can do. He can be very explosive and whatnot. I thought he fought very well in that fight, Jason Sago. We've seen that in his uh, previous victory against Josh Shockley. Once he kind of faces guys that we, we don't really know much about Jason Sago, but at least maybe the hardcores will know a little bit more like yourself, myself, who kind of watch a lot of fights and tape and stuff. Um, very decent when he goes to the ground. We, you talked about Justin Salas, you know, coming forward. He does wing punches a little bit, so hopefully he's kind of tightened that up a little bit. I just um, I feel that if if he can keep it on the feet, I think he can maybe hurt Sago in some way. I like that he's training at the Grudge Training Center, so he's probably going to be training quite a lot with Justin Gaethje. So hopefully he can kind of stop that takedown. But looking at his stats beforehand. He hasn't got the best takedown defense rate either. I don't think it's. I think it's in low, low single figures, which ain't great. Um, I'm just. I feel that he, he's gonna. That he's gonna stop the takedown, and he's just gonna kind of win on the feet and get a very close. I think this is going to be a split decision. I'm gonna go with Justin Salas, but very, very close. Well, if it is a
0: split decision, I hope
2: the judges see it for the Canadian. <laughs> now, <laughs> that first fight of the
0: night, we got Julian Arosa. He's minus 200. The comeback on Toruto Ishihara is plus 170. It's a very interesting fight, Will, because with yeah. Julian Arosa, he's six foot one. He's dropping down to 145 pounds, historically speaking. When guys are that big and they're dropping weight classes, it doesn't go well. Not to mention the fact that he was knocked out by Artem Lobov, so when you already have chin issues and then you're dropping a weight class, it tends not to go well. Now with Teruto Ishihara, you know, he's five foot seven. six of his seven wins are via knockout. This guy likes to go in there, he likes to knock guys out. In his last fight, he took on a vet in Mizuto Hirota and he looked incredible early on. He drops him four times, but then he gassed out big time because, I mean, if you drop someone four times and you can't get them out of there, I'd imagine you'd gas because you're throwing 100% into every shot. The thing is, with Julian Arosa, I don't believe Julian Arosa will get back up if he gets dropped. I think that'll be all she wrote. As far as, you know, their styles are concerned, Arosa's kind of like one of these guys, like Miles Jury. He's one of these guys that thinks he's Dominic Cruz, but he's not Dominic Cruz. There's only one Dominic Cruz. You know, he likes to run around the ring, he likes to pick his shots, he likes to be cute with the footwork. But you're not Dominic Cruz, bro, and now you're dropping a weight class to fight a knockout artist? I think it's a bad proposition. I got Teruto Ishihara. I think the underdog's going to get it done. Now, I like the plus 200. It opened that. It's currently plus 170. So I'm going to just wait for the weigh-ins, see how they look. At plus 200, I felt obligated to play it, but then I missed that line, so it was like, oh, fuck. But I'm going to watch the weigh-ins, man. And if Teruto Ishihara looks incredible and Julian Arosa looks like a 6'1 man that (laughs) that dropped to 145 pounds for the first time, I'm going to take that shot on the dog. What do you think, Will?
2: So, when I made a, my original picture, I like to get my video out fairly sharpish. I work quite a lot. So, when I get the opportunity to put my videos out, I put them out. Um, and I watched the footage of these two um, probably a good week beforehand. And I see most of Juliana Rosa's footage is obviously from the Ultimate Fighter, where we see him on there. He's using that herky jerky, in and out style, um, throwing occasional shots, um, not too much power behind them. But um, I originally went with Juliana Rosa on my video predictions. I thought I just think he's he's got I think five or six um, inch reach advantage, he's got a five inch height advantage. But Ishihara doesn't really give a shit about that. It doesn't like, I watched him against Yuta Sasaki when he lost that fight. Sasaki is a big big fighter, himself a tall fighter and he didn't give two shits about that when he just came forward and threw bombs um, like he did against Tarota but um Sasaki's ground game obviously came forward uh, and took him down there and just stifled him really. I'm going to change my pick-up with this one. I'm going to actually go with Ishihara from my original video prediction. I just think that um, he's a little berserker and he goes in there and he throws some heavy, heavy leather. Um, and I think if he can maybe get in there and hurt a rose around about the body. I've actually been speaking to a few up-and-coming fighters from Team Alpha Male. He trains out of Team Alpha Male Japan and they say this guy hits really hard for like being tiny, for being a really small guy. So I'm going to change my pick-up and I'm going to go with Ishihara. I think he can knock this... I think he can knock it all out just like Lobov did on the tough show but my pick's going to be Shihara by TKO.
0: And man, that would make me really happy because yeah. most likely I am going to bet on that underdog. So we got to talk about the fighter to watch and the fight to watch. So first up, the fight to watch. Now,
2: I want to know what's your fight to watch, Will? Uh, there's a few good ones on here. I think that Shevchenko and Nunes could be a, a good fight but my pick's going to be Diego Sanchez, Jim Miller because I think this is going to be just an old fashioned scrap just a typical Diego Sanchez fight they're going to come out hopefully Jim Miller's up for the, the task of um, taking on Diego Sanchez because we know what Diego wants to do he wants to come out there and have a, a good fight for the fans but he needs this win fairly big I think that's the fight to watch get on UFC Fight Pass if you don't have UFC Fight Pass already go and get it you're missing out the amount of content that's on there The the future bouts that they are going to be on there, everything's coming through Fight Pass, so go get Fight Pass, go watch this fight. I think it's going to be one of the best fights of the night. That's the fight to look out for.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, anytime Jim Miller and Diego Sanchez are on a card, you definitely have to tune in. As far as Fight Pass is concerned, you know, uh, Eric Winter and the team, they're doing a phenomenal job. And I mean, not only are they uh, providing us with this service that you can watch every single fight – they're really taking care of the fans, man. I mean, I got yeah. to Skype with Michael Bisbing. I got a signed glove by Bisbing. They sent me a free hoodie. They sent me a cap. I mean, they didn't have to do that. They just yeah, did, did that.
2: I got same, same as well too.
0: Yeah, man. They, they, they really take care of the fans. And, you yeah. know, if you have issues with uh, the service, you know, sometimes a lot of people are using it. The videos might slow down a little bit. You just hit up Eric Winter on Twitter, and he'll be like, hey, man, you know, uh, contact Tech, and we'll take care of it. And they always take care of it. They always come through. So, I got a lot of love for UFC Fight Pass. Now, my fight to watch, and it's going to be surprising to a lot of people, is Chas Kelly versus Darren Elkins. Now, I've heard a lot of people talking about how, oh, this is going to be a boring grind fest and this and that. I think you guys are going to be surprised when these two go out there and they start slugging at each other because oftentimes when you get two wrestlers, it turns into a, what we like to call a bang fest and uh you know, Chaskelly told me firsthand on half the battle, he's going to go out there, he's going to throw big bombs. If the submission's there, he'll take it. If the knockout's there, he'll take it. Even if the takedown is there, he'll take it. I really think this is the fight to watch. So, Chaskelly versus Darren Elkins, man. Definitely check that out. Now, Will, who is your fighter to watch for UFC 196?
2: Well, we all know about the main event. That is the fighter to watch. But if you're looking for other fights, I think Valentina Shudchenko, I'm really high on this guy. I think... She's got a lot more to show them than what she showed in her last fight. And she has got a very tough, great fighter here ahead of uh, Amanda Nunez. But I think Valentina Shevchenko could end up shocking a lot of people this weekend. I think she's got a lot to show. That's going to be my fighter to watch this upcoming weekend at UFC 196.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Will, because I want to find out firsthand if she's the real deal. If she can go out there and defeat Amanda Nunez, look out, guys. I mean, she could be the next star in that division. Now, my fighter to watch is CR the Great Baja Drazada. You know, this guy's coming off a two-year layoff. People don't know what to expect, but I know about this guy for a long time, and if there's one thing that happens when CR wins a fight, he electrifies the crowd. And I think the crowd's going to be electrified when he goes out there and knocks out Brandon Thatch. So, for sure, my fighter to watch is CR the Great Baja Drazada. Now, Will, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle, you know it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You know everyone can follow you at Will Martin MMA. Your prediction videos are some of the best in the game. Your passion for the sport is unmatchable. Thank you so much for joining me, bro. At uh,
2: any time, uh, you know I'm a huge fan of yourself, of the content you put out. I always watch. If I can't watch, I always listen because I work silly. I was at work, so uh, 4 a.m. in the morning I can be working. I'll be listening to Half the Battle with. Benny Dariush or Matt Bryan or you've got some of your buddies on at like MMA Genius stuff like that, so it's always a privilege to come on here, I love talking fights with you, you're one of the best out there and thank you very much I appreciate
0: it man Oh yeah man, it's my pleasure, thank you so much for the compliments man, it means a lot to me that someone like you is saying that and man, we gotta do this again soon, so for all the fans yeah. tuning in to Half the Battle for the first time, thank you so much if this isn't the first time, thank you so much too, I mean, you guys are incredible you guys are the reason I keep doing this every single week. You know, subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. And until the next time, I hope you guys enjoy the fights.